All right, everybody, welcome to Brain Milk Podcast. I'm Dash McIntyre. And I'm Adrian Folk. All right, and uh, we've got a good podcast today. We're going to have a little conversation about Donald J. Trump, President of the United States, the 45th of them. And uh, we're going to go through his Twitter and just go through and have a little conversation about all his little dumbass tweets. <laughs> and uh, I did notice that I don't actually follow Trump. Do you follow Trump on Twitter? I actually just hit follow this morning so I'd see his okay. tweets. But if I'm being honest, it kind of hurt me inside. <laughs> Because there's one more person right. following him. Yeah, personally, uh, I don't want to get his dumb tweets because he'll go on those sprees uh, where he, he'll, he'll like retweet like 60 times in an hour or two or something like that, you know, during his very authoritative uh, executive hours. Well, especially but, if you're uh, trying to get like real news and then <laughs> every other tweet is a Donald <laughs> Trump tweet yeah. that's fake news. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donald kind Trump. Kind of ironic. Uh, do you, do you think Donald Trump is the most prolific um, spreader of fake news in America? Well, I mean, since everything he says is a lie, I would have to agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I can't yeah. imagine. Can you imagine any other president like George W. Bush or Obama or like George H.W. Bush or Clinton just lying on a social media platform all day, every day? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine Obama saying, talking about uh, how unfair everybody is to him, <laughs> how mean everybody is? <laughs> Or when people were criticizing the Iraq war, if George W. Bush just said fake news every single day. <laughs> right. To any oversight whatsoever from the, uh, right. for the Iraq war. Fake news. Yeah. The lowest of the low. Yeah. The filth vermin. The, the media is the uh, enemy of the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What good leader of democracy hasn't called the media vermin and filth and enemy of the people? <laughs> but you know what? That's kind of an interesting thing because if you think back like in the early 2000s, especially after the Iraq war started, people were saying that like, you know, anybody who was kind of critical of the, you know, uh, efforts to go start the war in Iraq, you know, they called them non-patriotic, they were un-American. So it's kind of the same thing. It's just the president himself wasn't tweeting it out every day. <laughs> right. Do you know, well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, traditionally in politics, you want your allies, uh, you know, doing most of the whining more than yourself, you know, you yeah. would think, um, just as a, you know, a, a constructive criticism on Donald Trump's fragile little ego. Well, that's another <laughs> but, thing, uh, too, is Trump will just say things on Twitter that were normally things, like you said, you know, allies would report that, and then they'd float it and see if it worked or not. That way the president, if it's good or bad, kind of refrains from being in the fray and saying whatever that was. Because it ends up being really stupid, and people criticize it. You don't want the president himself directly saying that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, right off the top of the bat on Donald Trump's Twitter page, he's got a live video going right now. A Fox News interview of what I'm sure are very hard-hitting, um, to-the-point questions. Um now, granted, uh, coronavirus is going on right now, if anybody listens to this in the future, if the, the future exists <laughs> post uh, this apocalyptic uh, pandemic. Um, but I guess the biggest news with Donald Trump reacting to the uh, um, pandemic is, one, giving himself a 10 out of 10 
<laughs> he also said he takes no responsibility for all the negative effects of uh, what some might argue is an incomplete and incompetent and deranged uh, response to the pandemic. And then starting yesterday and today, uh, very heavily, Donald Trump is, um, he's torn between listening to the advice of uh, public health officials and his economic advisors. So uh, what do you think? What do you, which, which side do you think has the, uh, the better solutions for America dealing with the pandemic? Donald Trump's uh, economic advisors or his public health experts? <laughs> well, I mean, you look at his administration, they've been kind of wrong about everything. I mean, even foreign policy, think of how much they've been wrong about, right? Jared Kushner had no ability to create peace in the Middle East. Um, you know, their decision to kill the uh, Iranian general, right, Soleimani, uh, was a complete catastrophe and nothing happened from it. Um, so, yeah, I don't think this administration is uh, uniquely equipped to tell the truth or be right about things. <laughs> right. And just on a side note, I don't want to get too far down a rabbit hole, but I mean, it just seems to me that Donald Trump's foreign policy is totally <clears throat> explained only by the fact that he's in desperate need of liquid cash because he's got so many foreign entanglements and loans from different banks outside of America and, you know, that are, you know, allegedly and probably realistically backed up maybe by Vladimir Putin. Um, so, like, things like, you know, Donald Trump not um, doing anything about Khashoggi being murdered by Saudi Arabia, um, you know, kind of... Uh, ruining our reputation and relationship with the Kurds in Turkey. I mean, really, when you get come down to it with him destroying everything good about America, it really comes down, it seems, to Donald Trump um, just not pissing off his creditors. Right? Well, it's weird. I mean, it definitely looks like that, especially when you know, like, Jared Kushner, uh, especially the whole thing with, like, uh, the Gulf state countries and which countries were you know, giving loans out to Jared Kushner and his family, which is a little weird. So they're yeah, Cutter gave uh, like a billion dollar bailout or something. Or yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars kind, bailout. Yeah, so they were kind of like sidelined by the Trump administration, and then you know they weren't going to pay to play, but then they realized they had to pay to play, so they did. Um, and then you have the whole thing where like uh, uh, Jared Kushner has like actually got a relationship with MBS from Saudi Arabia, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. But I mean, certainly you can't imagine another president basically uh, giving in to Turkey and allowing you know the betrayal of the Kurds. I can't imagine Obama or Bush doing that to one of our allies. Right. It seems uh, and it, and unconscionable. I think it I think it kind of relates in that Donald Trump, really, most of his decisions are based on money and economic factors. And I think his response to coronavirus with him now saying that the uh, the quarantine is, you know, hurting our economy. Um, The lieutenant governor of Texas the other day was saying that old people should just sacrifice. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said old people should sacrifice their lives so that the economy stays strong for their kids and grandkids. Um, But that really is just kind of like... You know, the, you know, here in Missouri, um, here where I live, uh, Governor Parson, you know, he also said that, you know, at this point, you know, people need to make decisions for themselves and he's taking the free market approach. And um, yeah, it just seems like the free market maybe does not have the interest of keeping millions or hundreds of thousands of old people alive in well, you know, the worst pandemic crisis in a century. Yeah, there's kind of an interesting dynamic between the... Because both, I think, scenarios 
uh, hurt Trump politically uh, with economy and free fall and everyone's 401ks, you know, being eliminated or dropping in value completely. Um, and then the alternative is having a lot of people die. So, I mean, that's an interesting thing, too. You know, Donald Trump only won his first election by a couple tens of thousands of votes. What happens if his decisions make a million old people who otherwise wouldn't have died die? You know, what I mean, politically, you know, obviously that's a tra uh, tragedy that so many people might, you know, get sick and die. But, you know, politically, how can Trump win again if a lot of his older voters die? Right. And what do you, what do you think about it? And I mean, what what do you think is his rationale? Don't you think? I mean, like in terms of hedging your bets, wouldn't you say that his reelection would be more threatened by him being wrong and the pandemic getting worse and worse? And, you know, maybe, you know, uh, some of the more dire predictions are that if we do not if we end the quarantine early, maybe as many as like three million Americans will die. Don't you think that would hurt his chances of being reelected more than just we go into a quarantine the you know, the economy craters for a little bit and then maybe, yeah. you know, three million people don't die and then the economy starts going up right before you know i don't know maybe in you know late summer or early fall when you know hopefully the quarantine would be over and uh you know at that point the curve of cases would start going down and into a much more manageable and less uh emergency kind of situation well here's what i'll say first is that like a lot of your, your typical politician would probably say i'm going to do the right thing regardless of how it helps or hurts me for re-election um, that's number one, right? Uh, so the fact that he's worried about his political reelection and the economy's effect on it shouldn't even matter. And you see that kind of like from governors who are taking, you know, this opportunity to actually be real leaders. Like, for example, Andrew Cuomo was being criticized for some of the quarantine efforts New York has done. And, you know, Andrew Cuomo basically said, uh, I don't care who how this affects me politically. I'm doing what I think is right and I have no regrets. Don't you wish Trump would say something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he'll just say that his response was perfect because he's incapable of having any self-doubt or self-criticism. Um, and again, you hear all these reports from, you know, reporters talking to people in the White House, you know, who speak off the record saying that Trump is very worried about his reelection prospects, which in a normal politician and a real leader, should he shouldn't be caring about that at all. His first goal should be helping people and minimize the, you know, the right. danger and the actual effects of coronavirus and, and, and worry about anything political next. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you think that his botched reaction, I mean, because I mean... <laughs> Despite what Trump says, there's no way to describe this other than just a, I mean, a major botched uh, reaction to coronavirus. I mean, America is going to be the new epi, uh, the uh, the new epicenter of coronavirus, and uh, we're on track to way eclipse China and Italy, which are the, kind of the worst case scenarios as of you know we've seen so far. But I mean, we're not doing you know even what Italy has been doing with quarantining and. Some well, it's going to be an epic There's no way around it being an epic failure because one, uh, you know, Trump cut a lot of the money and programs of the you know U.S. federal government that set up shop in other countries specifically to look for potential pandemics and nip them in the butt as quickly as possible, and so he failed at that. Second off, I mean, America is a uniquely poor 
uh, uh, medical system and uh, especially medical insurance systems. So America, more than most other industrialized countries, was already predisposed to have a pandemic and terrible economic effects from a pandemic just because of our, our shitty healthcare system, right? So the fact that Trump eliminated the ability and some of the money and the, especially the personnel who would have been tasked to fight coronavirus immediately after it was discovered in other countries, you know, that's like the, it's like the joke, or not the joke, but what people always say about, you know, having a very strong military presence overseas is that we stop it from coming here. And that's, ex- uh, you know, exactly what Obama was trying to do with, you know, p- potential pandemics and prevent them coming to America. Yeah, I mean, certainly he did that with Ebola. Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially since our healthcare system's so bad and, and, and exactly this kind of, you know, situation. So, I mean, everything Trump yeah. has done is a complete failure. He should have reacted quicker. He shouldn't have eliminated the money and the people working on stopping pandemics before they came here. And, you know, another thing is everyone's criticizing him for not, you know, either the federal government has the power to tell companies, hey, you're going to stop building cars. You're going to build this for us. We want this number and we'll buy them for you. Uh, we'll buy them from you. And, you know, they ensure some kind of profit so these companies make money helping the federal government and the American people. But Trump is still pretty much neglected to do that. And some people speculate it's because if Trump uses the federal government to specifically direct what efforts are being done where, if something goes wrong, he can't blame anyone but himself. So that's why he, he keeps pushing it on the states and saying, you know, the federal government shouldn't be doing this. It's not our job. It's the state. I mean, it's just him delegating uh, responsibility down when really this is the federal government and federal action, you know? Yeah, and it's very sad because this is the exact situation where you really need executive national leadership because right now, um, you know, the national response so far has been multiple steps behind, you know, New York and California. Um, Obviously, those two states have been enacting uh, very uh, big quarantine efforts. I think Illinois has as well. But, I mean, it just goes to show that, I mean, even these states doing that, it doesn't really mean much if there's no national effort. And you have all of these people crossing, you know, um, state lines, going to different states for their spring breaks and vacations. And, you know, if, if, you know, one or two states doing this doesn't mean anything if the whole rest of the country is just not uh, acting responsibly because we have a president that refuses to take responsibility for any of this. Well, there's another big risk, too, is that you have states basically competing for a finite amount of supplies. So then you have a problem. Right. Like, let's say, like, how many corona cases are there in Arizona? Like, probably not as much as California, Washington, New York, right? So if you have the governor of Arizona being proactive and buying up that finite uh, number of medical supplies and different, you know, especially the uh, uh, oxygen ventilators, right, uh, or respirators, um, then you have a problem where the states where it's really bad and spreading, they can't fight it adequately. So then Arizona might be slightly more, you know, prepared. But when it does come there, it comes worse because so much of the rest of the country didn't have the supplies to fight it properly. And that's why you need right. the federal government to step in and actually direct where supplies need to go, which, you know, there are some states that need it more than others right now, regardless of what those state governments think or what they're doing to try to prepare. Right. And, uh, you know, it, just to take the macro view, I mean, this is kind of a perfect embodiment of everything that Trump does wrong in every aspect of government. And certainly the way he's uh, reacting to uh, these quarantine efforts and the economic uh, you know, effects of coronavirus and the stock market going down. But it just goes to show that you, we really do not want a businessman, certainly a sociopathic, 
you know, trust fund baby like Donald Trump to be a businessman as president. Um, you know, a, certainly an instance of a global pandemic is not the issue where you're more concerned about, you know, stock values or um, people's net worth or, you know, in t Trump's case, bailing out his own companies with a slush fund that Republicans wanted to give Steve Mnuchin. Well, that's just the thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like with the trust fund real quick, you know, they literally wanted to hide who they were giving money to for six months and yeah. write that into law. <laughs> like how what is democratic or popular, you know, how is that good <laughs> for the public bureaucracy to yeah. hide where all of our tax money goes? Um, you know, a big chunk of our tax money, especially when the president has already said that he would not, you know, he would he would basically, uh, you know, take a bunch of bailout money for himself yeah well that's the funny thing it, it, it kind of shows what a sham not just trump like you've kind of described what a sham trump is but it's also about the republican party in general because you know they all, what have they said for decades we need to treat government and run it like a business right but like what do you, how does that philosophy add up when you have some of the biggest companies in the s p 500 literally going belly up in two months of a downturn, right? So you yeah. have these these CEOs making tens of millions of dollars a year to run a company properly, and they could like an airline company couldn't weather a two month downturn, and they need a bailout. A social like these titans of industry and capitalists need a socialist right. taxpayer bailout for two months. Like imagine if we ran the federal government where it collapsed after two months of a you know a bad situation, right? Like yeah. let's say Pearl Harbor started, and two months later America as a the government collapsed you know it's ludicrous to think and, and it's total only... bullshit because a lot of these companies have been buying back their stock and doing all these schemes to inflate their stock value so it's like all these companies that remind you a year and a half ago or two years ago got that trump tax cut where they got a lower tax rate and got to keep tons of money of which they spent like i think uh uh, what is it, Robert Reich of, uh, you know, Clinton's old labor secretary. Yeah. You know, he was saying that, like, some of these airline companies have spent, like, 96 or 97 percent, something like that, of all of the profits that they've had in the last few years on stock buybacks. So, you know, and then the CEOs, then they reward themselves with higher uh, benefits and higher bonuses and salaries for getting that stock value up. And now, like you said, literally two months down in the red is enough to make them need a socialist bailout. And that's just absurd. There's no reason why these assholes who basically just pocketed all of their profits and ruined their companies by putting their companies in such a, you know, a, you know, giving their companies no ability to weather the, you know, you know, a global storm like we have now, it makes no sense to bail them out again. They already got bailed out with the tax cuts. Well, yeah, I mean, that is essentially a bailout. They had record profits, especially airlines. And that, this is during a time, too, when the airlines were cheating. You know, airline companies were basically remodifying their airplanes to fit more people in. Uh, they were doing with things less like, space. Yeah, with less space. They were charging for bags if they weren't or charging more for bags. Now they were doing things yeah. like they you basically have to pay more money to sit with someone else right. you buy a plane ticket with, which is, like, ludicrous. Yeah. 
Yeah, Fuck so you American got... <laughs> Airlines. I'll go on yeah. record saying that because I fly American a lot, and they charge thirty dollars for a bag. Like, is that not just straight up disrespectful to their consumers? You know what airline charges thirty? I mean, other than like Spirit or Frontier or some of like the real budget airlines where everything's uh-huh. extra. But I mean, America Airlines. Like, oh my god. Well, they I like to compare suck. it to. I compare it to Southwest. Southwest gives you know free bags, up to two bags. You know, so you you yeah. look on like something like Orbitz and the plane ticket for all these different companies are essentially the same price, but Southwest you get free bags. So you know Delta's <laughs> charging the same price, and then you get to the airport and you have to pay for bags. So it's like, well, I you know I I don't feel so bad that they're going belly up right now. Now the the only bad thing is that there's like you know hundreds of thousands of American workers who work for these companies, and it's really not their fault that the CEOs were shitbags and you know ruining the good time. I mean it's here. The whole, the whole thing is just like the federal government as a whole, right? So, you know, Trump bragged for three years straight that we had the greatest economy the, the country's ever seen. And yet the deficit went up every year and we're spending more, you know, we're spending a trillion dollars right now. That's what Obama was spending at, like, when 800,000 jobs were being lost a month. You know what I mean? Why yeah. on earth, in the best economic boom of all time, according to President Trump, uh, did we not save a, a, a single penny in reducing right. debt? So now... And that's what's... That's, that, that, <laughs> Real quick, that pisses me off because you know, like Time Magazine, CNN, The Washington Post, New York Times, all of these, you know, supposedly liberal media, fake news bastions of, you know, vermin mm-hmm. and human filth, you know. The second a Democratic president takes over, they're going to have giant headline stories with ominous, cloudy photos of whoever the next Democratic president is. And it'll say, the headline will say something to the effect of, now is the time the deficit is soaring. We need to get the debt under control. And it's like, you know, here, Republicans, best economy ever. They brag about all all these three years, and they're still not cutting the deficit, oh, you yeah. know? It's, I mean, that just pisses me off. It's literally criminally uh, dishonest and criminally, um, like, criminal bullshit. Well, it begs the question where the Tea Party is, because the last time there was a bailout, the Tea Party became a thing, and they fought Obama tooth and nail for every penny of spending. Uh, they haven't said shit when, uh, you know, they've increased right. spending with really good financial uh, and, you know, especially stock market, you know, story right. as it has. I mean, there's no reason not to save money. Which just yeah. further says, like, why the government shouldn't be run like a business, because apparently businesses do the same thing. When times are good, they cheat and steal money, um, don't give it back to their workers, and uh, they're completely unprepared for the, the slightest danger ahead. Right. And, you know, I, uh, Bloomberg reported earlier, um, I saw that um, since the... Uh in the last two... Let's see. In the last two months, or before this whole coronavirus... Um, uh, kind of economic downturn, there were 11 million millionaires in America as of, I think, like yesterday or something. Now there's only 500,000 millionaires. So that means we've lost, what, 10 and a half million millionaires in the last two months of this economic <laughs> downturn. And yeah, I think crazy. that really just goes to show, you know, how much of our, quote, uh, economic strength and success is really just smoke and mirrors and a lot of stock buyback schemes and like well, all, it's all you know speculation right it's purely that money doesn't exist until you sell and if the stock market tanks like it does you know it started on february 19th and it's been tanking ever since like that money right. was never real to begin with so yeah that money's just gone 
Yeah, and I saw uh, Elizabeth Warren tweeted this a couple days ago about uh, um, Goldman Sachs, the CEO just got a, <laughs> just got like a 19% raise in his salary or something. <laughs> and the last time such a big raise had happened from the, you know, the big banks like that was, you know, 2007, right before the beginning of the Great Recession and another economic maelstrom. So, I mean, is that like the canary in the coal mine when the bankers start giving themselves raises and salary increases, they know shit is about to hit the fan and we're ready for a depression? Oh, well, logically, yeah, it appears like those bank CEOs and managers are trying to milk every last penny out before they can, while they can. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, my God. If You know, it's like the same thing with the bailouts. Like, if we have to bail out the banks again, if the economy keeps cratering and we have to bail out the banks, all of those bankers who gave themselves raises should be in prison or at the Give very least. Back. Yeah, or at the very least, all of the bailout money starts with their fucking net worth. It's just, you know, I mean, it, Obama, I, I, I really think Obama missed a, uh, a great opportunity to really show some regulatory teeth when, uh, you know, the bankers suffered no personal consequences um, for, you know, ruining the world economy. You know, they pay a fine, but, it, you know, the fine is lower than, like, you know, some of these big bankers made personally off yeah. of their terrible business practices and, you know, straight up fraud, really. Well, yeah, and, well, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty bad. It's kind of understandable why Obama in 2008 didn't do that. He was just trying to move forward, I think. I bet, like, I, I wonder what Obama would say today if you could talk to him and, and, and see if he could go back and change it. Because, you know, knowing what we know now, it's not like his going easy on Wall Street after 2009 uh, didn't make Wall Street conservatives and Republicans like him anymore. <laughs> so it was completely, right. you know, you know, he kind of took the... You know the center right approach to try to you know you know cross the aisle a little bit and hold out a hand to you know his political enemies and it didn't do anything anyway because they hated him anyway. Right. Uh, what do you think about the Democratic uh, uh, kind of stonewalling of that terrible bill that the Republicans were trying to pass real quick? Um, they uh, Democrats voted against it and killed the bill, and of course Republicans are you know now saying that oh Democrats you know are holding up all this money in a time of emergency. But the Republican bill was like straight trash. It was like a dumpster fire of you know bailouts to companies and CEOs that don't deserve them. You know it had that slush fund of which again because it pisses me off. I want to say this again in the bill it said for six months they don't have to disclose where our tax money goes which you know that is just the pinnacle of bullshit um so what do you think about the democratic uh, kind of maneuvering here well i went on a, a twitter earlier and it's funny because i a, a, this yesterday and, and this morning there's you know i don't recommend this to anyone but like look at the trending stuff and see who's tweeting what and you see so many dumb response and tweets about how pelosi and the democrats are ruining america but like imagine it this way like like this is just classic politics where you make a bill that can't be passed you know it can't be passed and won't be passed by the other political party and then you criticize them for not helping anything but like imagine if the house had wrote their bill to say donald trump will get this money and then he'll immediately be impeached and then when the republicans voted <laughs> against it told everyone the republicans are ruining <laughs> yeah. america you know what i mean yeah they say the republicans yeah. won't play ball they won't help in a time of need they're fucking us so and it's like no that's you knew that bill couldn't and wouldn't be passed 
Right. Um, but, you know, in terms of the political maneuvering, obviously Democrats have real leverage here because Trump, you know, Republicans have the Senate and the presidency. Trump's kind of, uh, you know, his whole presidency and legacy and uh, approval rating are on the line. I mean, they need Democrats to pass a bill or it looks like Trump, you know, again, Trump claims he's the greatest deal maker ever. You know, he wrote, a, well, he uh he talked out loud and those conversations got turned into the art of the deal with the artistic license of uh what's the guy's name tony schwartz right yeah so i mean you know he's got this you know self-described ethos or mythos of as a uh, great deal maker but you know he can't make a deal uh, well that's but certainly i think democrats <laughs> should extract uh, as much as they can and i think uh, I've actually I was pessimistic at first, but it really does seem like Pelosi is uh, really putting in some Democrat, some good Democratic demands uh, in you know the next version of the bill. Well, I hope so. And, and this shows the difference between Republicans and Democrats, because remember, we almost went over the fiscal cliff repeatedly during the Obama years. And the Republicans yeah. were going to hold out until like basically midnight of the the minute before the country would go into default just to fuck with Obama and try to get whatever they could out of him. Uh the difference now is that Democrats, all they want is a little more money for workers. You know what I mean? And they're, at, you know, right. Republicans and conservatives are saying Democrats are risking the country. It's like, no, Democrats are not going to put the country, you know, at the edge of the precipice, you know, one minute from midnight before all hell breaks loose just to get what they want like Republicans did. They just want more money for workers. They said the Republican bill didn't do enough for workers. They just want a little more money for workers and they want well, accountability. Well, Democrats have been putting in other things, too. It's not just that. Repub uh, sorry, Democrats have been putting in some kind of like Green Deal kind of themed things. Um, they've been doing more than just money for workers. But is that the House I plan or the criticism yeah, for the of House the House plan? Yeah, but I'm, I'm just talking about their criticism of the uh, Republican oh, right, Senate yeah. plan. Yeah. Right, but I, I personally like that strategy. Democrats should be doing everything they can because um, this is their one opportunity. There's not going to be another big bill. Um, certainly, if there is another bill, obviously it's going to be less of an emergency than this first one, and uh, there's going to be less room to play ball, and it's going to be harder and harder to get anything Democrats want if they kick the can down the road. So I think it's smart politics. But, I mean, again, also, there's no reason to pass a shitty Republican bill just because, you know, time is kind of of the essence. And that was the first, you know, you know, dumpster that Republicans lit on fire and then passed over to the House. You know, there's well, no reality, reason to sign a bad bill because Republicans aren't responsibibly writing a good bill in the first place. Yeah, and that's the point I wanted to make is that's literally just all it is. is Republicans are just trying. It, it's like Mitch McConnell said during the Obama years. He said a good compromise is where I get 100% of what I want. And it's like, they're, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're not compromised. If this is such a time in need, you think both political parties would be adults, right. compromise, get what both each other want, and more importantly, think the country needs. But yeah. instead, there's like a political power play for Republicans to just give right. unaccountable unknown money to uh their biggest uh you know donors and stuff and big corporations yeah. that they like and here's a thought because it's right now uh at least as of right now it's like five republicans are self-quarantining from the uh coronavirus <laughs> does that change the that changes the senate math right now um you know democrats have more power and leverage because i think like this bill failed wasn't it 47 to 45 or do you remember the exact count no i don't, I don't know okay but 
I mean, is that something that we could look forward to maybe is if, you know, these Republicans who are self-quarantining, does that give Democrats like a momentary <laughs> that's advantage, an interesting like electoral thing. advantage? Yeah. Or legislative I mean, <laughs> advantage, rather? Yeah, that's interesting because you have to be in Congress to vote. You can't do it right. from your home in whatever district you come from. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something if maybe like a couple more Republicans had to self-quarantine? Uh, again, this is not malicious. I don't want them to die or anything. But it would be nice. What if you know Mitch McConnell loses the majority of the Senate momentarily? Well, he wouldn't and lose the majority. He still has control over the proceedings. Um, yeah, but the, the majority of the votes present, oh, you know, yeah. at the quorum. Of oh the yeah. Senate. If they have a shit plan and they literally can't get to fifty-one votes because, <laughs> like, five Democrats say no or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's and then, you know, of course they would say, oh, look at Democrats politicizing this, but what would Mitch McConnell do? Mitch oh, McConnell yeah. would, oh my God, Mitch McConnell would probably, like, give coronavirus to a bunch of Democrats in that, if he was in the minority, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Republicans, I mean, fuck, Rand Paul, you know, is giving it to all the Republicans. Well, well, speaking of that, North let's Carolina. talk about Rand Paul. <laughs> Let's talk about okay. Rand Paul real quick because he's a you know he's a libertarian, but I'm sure he's not for the sake of his uh, political ideology giving up his government socialist health care to pay out of pocket for all of this treatment and testing for coronavirus, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that just shows what a sham libertarianism, right? You know, kind of is libertarianism, and you know that conservative wing of the part Republican Party is is like just a joke, like. Basically, right now, you have the Republican Party admitting that we need socialism to solve all our problems. We need big government. Yeah. We need government spending. And it has to we be ASAP. We need cash ASAP. payments to yeah. citizens. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> right. like, once so everything So libertarianism goes... <laughs> is kind of like a, uh, it's a good thought experiment when things are uh, going good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, as a philosophy, it's like only... Only people who have lots of money, a good job, and things are going well can play with that idea. Because <laughs> if you have anything right. going wrong with you or, you know, your community, you're going to need some kind of big government response and, and some socialism. Right. Um, and then um, real quick, because I'm seeing the video again from his Twitter uh, with that interview, uh, let's talk about the other day when... Uh, I forget the reporter, but he asked, a, it was like the biggest softball question ever of just like, you know, something to the effect of, you know, Americans are scared. There's a lot of bad things happening right now. What do you tell those scared Americans? And Trump just goes, you know, something to the effect of, I tell them you're a shitty reporter. You're the yeah. worst of the worst. And it's like, that was such a softball. It's not, and then like Fox News, of course, all the journal, you know, quote journalists there like, oh, it was a gotcha question. It was so bad. And he literally just Ask, what would you tell Americans who are scared? Oh, yeah, uh, Trump could have just said, uh, I want to tell all Americans that, you know, we have a great response, yeah. it's perfect, and we're doing everything we can to make yeah, it better. he could have just tooted his own horn there. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was an invitation to toot his own horn. <laughs> well, yeah, literally, quite literally. Yeah. Um, so it will be interesting to see how this plays out, because let's just, you know, uh, not to be too pessimistic, but let's say, you know, you know, let's say the health experts, you know, go figure, are right about um, the importance of quarantining and, uh, you know, slowing the uh, or uh, rather bending the curve further down in cases. Mm -hmm. But let's say that, this, you know, shit hits the fan. And, you know, uh, again, I don't want this to happen in any way. But let's say a negative situation, three million Americans die you know, overwhelm our hospitals, uh, overwhelm, um, you know, funeral companies and, you know, you know, 
I don't know what percentage, but, you know, a majority of Americans are personally affected by a death from coronavirus, you know, similar to, like, the Spanish flu in 1918. Um, But but real real quick, I was just going to say, you know, adding this on to all of uh, Donald Trump's other uh, kind of governmental failures, like doing nothing about North Korea's nukes, uh, tearing up the Iran nuclear deal, and then risking, you know, a war, um, basically, you know, doing nothing against Russia... Uh, sucking up to China and Turkey, being against NATO and the European Union, sucking yeah. up to dictators around the world. But, uh, you know, out of all of that, and then, of course, his terrible ego, his cartoonish character traits, um, all of that with really botching up the coronavirus. I mean, is there any doubt that Donald Trump just goes instantly into history as just the the most blatantly, you know, terrible and awful president of all time? Well, here's an interesting thing I read that kind of goes to that point is they were saying that if worst case scenario happens with coronavirus and some 3% or less, you know, some even 1%, which would be around 3.2 million Americans died, that would ultimately be the worst decision any U.S. president ever made in our country's history. Yeah, that would be right. more people than has died in any all our wars combined. It would be, you know, worse than all the terrorist attacks combined. You know what I mean? If you just add up all these bad things that have happened, it would not equal the coronavirus, you know, amount of people yeah. who died. I mean, and- it's, it's not as bad, but that would be almost like, you know, Mao's, uh, you know, collectivization efforts where it's just kind of like a willful choice that results in millions and millions of deaths, right? Oh, yeah, it kind of. Obviously yeah, like- not to the same effect, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> a modernist uh, approach to it. Well, yeah, I mean, in a very simple way, the the great leap forward under Mao, you know, they told villagers, hey, don't make rice, make steel in your backyard. We'll sell the steel for food. (laughs) And then it turned out you can't make good steel in your backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then that's kind of like the capitalist version of that. Hey, America, I know everyone's sick with a potentially life threatening uh, pandemic, but go back to work. So stocks go up. That's kind of like the capitalist, you know, equivalent. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, it's the great leap forward of the stock market. Let's get it back to, you know, just like China was like, we used to be the strongest country on earth. Let's let's jump our way back up there. It's the same thing yeah. with the stock market. Hey, guys, we used right. to be at 29,000. Remember that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what? It's just a real missed opportunity that all these coronavirus victims sitting in hospital beds and, you know, in quarantine aren't doing something to make something for the economy. <laughs> you oh, know? yeah. Idle yeah. hands and idle hours sitting on those <laughs> yeah. hospital beds dying of coronavirus. <laughs> Yeah, they're just weak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're <laughs> they're hurting America's uh, <laughs> you know ability right. to get stuff done. Yeah, it is amazing because uh, you know people trust Dr. Fauci much more than Donald Trump, but you know Dr. Fauci has been conspicuously missing from Trump's latest uh, uh, health updates. You know. Well, I mean, that's the, uh, you know, status quo of the entire Trump administration is that, you you know, you start to, you know, maybe uh, show yourself to be a more reasonable and and intelligent person than Trump, and then you get pushed out. (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, again, I, you know, Donald Trump is uh, listening more to his economic advisors than uh, public health experts, and that is a problem. I mean, yeah. I mean, so right now Trump is uh, tweeting, Congress must approve the deal without all the nonsense today. The longer it takes, the harder it will be to start up our economy. Our workers will be hurt. 
it's, it's such like an out of touch kind of thing. Like you know, it, being so concerned about the economy doesn't matter when people are sick and staying at home. You know what I mean? If anything, the faster they fix the pandemic and the risks of the pandemic, uh, the more you can open up the economy and have a smaller amount of time of quarantine and actually help things. Right. Um, now, here's, a, here's an interesting suge- uh, thought experiment. Let's say Donald Trump, you know, kicks out all of the economic advisors and starts listening to the, uh, the health experts. Let's say we start doing everything. We, uh, you know, quarantine hardcore nationally and we get that curve down. And then, you know, let's say great uh, rosy um, kind of expectations that uh, the world, uh, or sorry, America, you know, the, the curve goes way down and uh, everybody can go back to work and we kind of solve the crisis. What do you think Trump's response would be? Do you think he would go on, uh, do you think he'd take to Twitter and start talking about how stupid all the experts were and that we didn't need to do all that because clearly the, you know, the crisis was almost over? Do you think he would have any scientific or uh, kind of medical awareness that when you do quarantines correctly, uh, it seems like they were unneeded, but only because you did them correctly and pandemics or other contagious diseases did not spread. Do you think you'd have any awareness of that? Well, first off, you- I mean, I mean, he would have no awareness, and the reason being is you can tell by <laughs> yeah, his entire I yeah, I mean, you can tell by his entire <laughs> life that he has no medical awareness whatsoever because this is a guy who's first overweight and obese. He lied about his height, most likely to try to get off the BMI, you know, clinically obese rate. Uh, right. you know, he, he believes things like the fact that you have a finite amount of energy, so you shouldn't exercise too much, yeah. or your life energy will go down. That's uh, a true statement, real quick, because he did mention that his. Ex- exercise was waving his arms at campaign rallies yeah i mean he doesn't even walk while he golfs you know they you know people made the joke that he takes uh, golf carts everywhere so he doesn't even have to walk like this is not <laughs> the guy you want to take medical like I mean, that's another thing when he gave that medical advice to take those two like malarial drugs together or something and and people yeah. are actually doing it and dying and going to the hospital it's like this is not a man you should be trusting for any medical <laughs> advice whatsoever yeah, right. <laughs> He does it like a business, you know. Hey, this might work. Let's just rush it out. See if we yeah. can see if it works and solves our, you know, our, our a temporary issue we have today with no long-term thinking. Well, here's another funny thing about his medical expertise is that he remember he was quoted as saying why he always eats fast food because at least you know what you get and it's like if you just buy fruits and vegetables, you, you know what you're getting. Like, does Trump personally know what all those chemicals in, you know, KFC and McDonald's are? Probably not. Right. Well, he does have a healthy fear of uh, being poisoned. Uh, I've read that. That one reason he does like uh, fast food as well is that it's a relatively like anonymous form of getting food from people. Whereas uh-huh. I guess if you go to a restaurant or something, someone could poison you in the back of house. You know the chefs. <laughs> What's he worried about though? That the White House chef who he hired would poison him? <laughs> I don't know. I do not know. I mean, that's pretty weird. I make a lot of satirical jokes about that with the uh, the halfway post about a chef quitting for uh, only you know being a glorified fast food uh, <laughs> you know window mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, drive through you know uh, getter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, Trump's an idiot is the theme of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we didn't really get to any of his tweets, but maybe we can do another podcast about that uh, right after this. Yeah, <laughs> we had a pretty good uh, discussion of just you know the general uh, kind of current events of coronavirus and Trump's yeah. lunacy. Welcome to the Brain Milk Podcast, where we don't stay on our script, and you never know what's coming next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right.
Yeah. All right. Well, it's about 42 minutes. Uh, I guess we can just cut it here and then get right into uh, another podcast about his and actually go through his uh, tweets like we were thinking. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're listening to Brain Milk Podcast. I'm Dash McIntyre. I'm Adrian Pope. And uh, check out the Halfway Post. I've been quarantining, so I've been publishing a lot of articles. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoy. I'm trying to uh, get a little comedic relief at the just widespread incompetence and criminal idiocy of President Donald J. Trump. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now, enjoy your sick guitar solo.